I went to Banksia when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Sometimes, like, I actually thought, like, I felt like it ruined my life because I felt like I was going to be stuck in that same cycle for ages. I'm Connor, and this is my story from the inside. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare tells us that young people under youth justice supervision are 30 times more likely to receive an alcohol or other drug treatment service than young Australians generally. We need to target the underlying root causes of criminal behaviour, including building better life circumstances for young people trapped in negative environments. The most effective way of breaking the cycle of crime is to prioritise and resource early intervention and diversion programs rather than sending people at the end of the justice system into detention. We also need to ensure that addiction treatment services are better integrated within the justice system and more accessible to everyday people in the community. These services should focus on putting the welfare of the individual at the heart of service delivery. I grew up in um, Kwinana. Growing up young was pretty tough. We didn't have much at all. My dad at the time was selling drugs. It's just where I thought money came from, really. We weren't hidden away from it, so it was, we saw everything. What comes with selling drugs was always around us. A lot of violence, crime, police. We got raided quite often, so I'd say once a month, police would raid our house and you, were sitting, you won't know that they're coming. So all you hear is just a big bang and then people are coming over the back fence and through the front door, through the windows, every door in the house, just with guns all in black suits and stuff. So it is pretty confronting as a young kid. My older brother would always grab me and my sister and just run us and we'd go into a room. One time my dad, there was a big raid and they caught a lot of stuff and he got five years in prison. And my mum was still on drugs at the time so she was just off doing her own thing. I hated school. Like I had, I had to go, but I hated going to class. I never went. I wasn't really that good or smart with it. So I dropped out of school at year nine. I started doing drugs when I was 13. First I started smoking marijuana and then 15, I started using other harder drugs than that. That's when it sort of got worse. So I was with one of my friends. He took me back to his house and his older brothers and cousins were all there and they were all like, they were all older drug dealers and they all had heaps of money, gold, everything. Like, they, they were cool. Like, I thought they were Jesus to me when I first used meth. I was 15, uh, 14. Oh, it was like, it was like the best thing ever. It just takes you to another world. Like, the euphoric feeling just makes you feel so, so good. From the first time I used it, I stayed up for a whole week. I never slept. Like, well, I wasn't even myself. Like, I used to love drawing and writing music, so that's what I'd do all night, sit there for about 12 hours, just doing that on using drugs. One of my older brother's friends, he was, he had a rap group at the time that was doing pretty good. And I, we were listening to his songs, that's when I first started hearing him, and then I thought, this is wicked, I want to start doing it myself. So that, that night, I wrote like a, song on my mate's computer we all were raptors and mine was actually pretty good and all the boys were like fuck that's pretty good you gotta you should still keep doing it you know from then i just i just never stopped like my first song was just about breaking into houses graffiti stealing 
all the stuff that I was doing at the time. So I, was, I thought it was so cool, but <laughs> more so rapping about my life and stuff, my pain in my life. I'd rap about my dad, how he wasn't there. So sort of sending him a message and he would listen to the like, stuff I couldn't say to him in person. I'd rap about it and then he'd hear it. Never losing my breath, nor facing the fake, cause we're escaping the caves and we're chasing our dreams. Hey, yo, watch where you walk, watch how you talk. Motherfuckers always had the gutter till it's forced. Coming up or up and coming into one boss. Why you thinking you're a man? You ain't even done your My father, when he got out, he sort of, he just became a uh, regular drug user. Yeah, we'd always go and see him for a weekend or something, but mum, mum didn't like it. She didn't like us going there. But we still, he was still our dad. We wanted to see him. We hadn't seen him in that long, so we loved it. We started doing crime together with our dad. I, I was doing like like everything. I was breaking into cars, breaking into houses, stealing motorbikes, selling drugs, watching my older, like my older brother was doing all the same stuff too. I kept doing it and I loved the rush from the crime I was doing. I loved stealing motorbikes. That was, I loved that when I was younger because I just, I just ride and I, there'll be nothing in my head. I wasn't thinking about nothing, but just riding down the highway. <laughs> I went to Banksia when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. So each each year. From when I first got that first order, I pretty much got stuck in the system. I'd keep I keep getting on the orders, I'd get out, and then I didn't want to do the things I'd breach, get locked back up. Sometimes, like, I actually thought it ruined my life. Because I felt like I was going to be stuck in that same cycle for ages. I was upset, like I felt lonely. I was angry that I put myself in there. It just turned me into like a depressive, angry sort of kid, like I hated the world. Because all of the stress and the pain that comes with it reflected how I was after I got out. So I'd, I'd get out and be happy, but then I'd still feel like I'd have all that pain, anger and stress inside of me. I did go to Hakea once, following on from when I was 17 from a, a younger charge. I can remember sitting one day in Hakea, I was in my cell and I was, I was sitting with a guy that was about 40 and he, he was like, a lot of them in there would just always talk about crime and that, but this bloke, he, he was telling me um, how much he, was, he missed his kids and he just wanted to be outside, but he had another 12 years, I think. I imagine myself being 40 years old, sitting there with another 12 years. And I knew I was getting out in two months, so I knew I didn't have, I didn't have long. I felt like I was like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not coming back to jail. I'm going to stop this, like, all crime. It is, like, it's really hard, like, knowing that I can do a lot of things which other people can't. And I can do it easy is like, it's like stealing. Like I could, go, I could go to the shops and get a whole shopping, someone would pay $300 for and I'd pay nothing for it. I, ha I have to choose to pay for it or not to pay for it at the time. The last, the last week I've sort of been struggling a little bit with using drugs and I've got like two visions of my future in my head. Like one of me being a rapper, everything good, like I feel like I, I know what my future's going to be like if I keep doing the right thing, but then I sometimes I just get angry, which is only when I'm back on the drugs and then I'll say, fuck it, stuff everything, and then I'll think of a future of doing crime and 
being a dealer and all that stuff. I, that's definitely not what I want. But I know that's what will happen if I keep using drugs. I have to choose to either stay at home, because as soon as I walk out the door and I'm by myself, every like mostly everyone I know, they're all using drugs. So they will message me. Like every people, I'll get messages every day from about ten people that use drugs, and we'll say, "Come over, come chill." And I'd, like I, I do want to go chill because I'm. I hate staying at home doing nothing. I always like being out and doing stuff, but I, I, I can't like I can't go meet other people because I know myself that if it's around me, in front of me, I can't say no. Like so, like still today, I'm still battling. Like, but I've I've gotten like a lot better and a lot stronger, and I know not where to go. Otherwise, I will use. And sometimes I feel like giving giving up and just going back to how I was before and just saying stuff everything, but. Like not giving up, I'm not going to give up. We have to question how effective incarceration is for Australia's children. As Connor's story demonstrates, once you've been involved with youth justice, there's a high likelihood that you'll return. 82% of young people released from detention return to either sentence detention or adult custody within five years. We need to be creating the right kind of supportive environments for people to prevent kids from the kinds of situations that underlie criminal behaviour. Poverty, isolation, neglect and substance use. We know there are better solutions. Community-driven support programs that work. 45% of all offenders released from prison return to corrective services within two years. For offenders who'd undertaken community-based corrections orders with programs and services, that figure was just 13%. Stories from the Inside is brought to you by Social Reinvestment WA, a coalition of Western Australian organisations trying to build a better justice system. It was produced on the lands of the Wajak Noongar people, we pay respects to their people, past, present and future. The podcast is produced by Elsa Silverstein. Sophie Stewart is the executive producer. Our music is by Ned Beckley from Equate Studio. To help spread the message, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, consider it giving us a five-star review. For more information to get involved in the campaign, head to socialreinvestmentwa.org.au.